So we're continuing our conversation on vampires. You know why? Because there's a lot to say about vampires. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're going to move on now. And we want to talk about, since we're still in the 70s with this uh, long running deep dive into vampires, we've talked a lot about the classic vampires and how they're different, the, the gothic versus the romantic, and then the fighting vampire with Christopher Lee and all of that stuff. We wanted to talk about some movies that came out that really pushed the envelope, really thinking outside of the box, uh, unorthodox sort of interpretation of the vampire mythology. And for me, probably one of my favorite vampire movies of all time, uh, it's right up there, top three, is a movie made by uh, George A. Romero, who's better known for his zombie movies. And of course, Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead. He made a really cool vampire movie in 1976-77 called Martin. And in this movie, just he rewrites the whole mythology of vampires. Yeah, it's, it's cool. It's like basically like if someone told you like, oh yeah, vampires are real, but they're not anything like in the books and the movies. Like, let me tell you how it really goes, you know? Yeah, and it makes it scarier <laughs> because he is more like a serial killer, so you never really know if he is really a vampire. Uh, R Romero just obliterates all of the rules that Stoker lays down in his book. And unlike I Am Legend with Matheson, where he embraces the rules, but then he explains them more or less in a scientific way, Romero just says, oh, screw that stuff. Let, let's just... Let's start over. Yeah, let's... let's what's, what's the most important rule? You know, I think that's really what Romero, that was the genius of this movie. Yeah, it's very minimalist. Yeah, he said, well, what is the most important thing? If you thought about what a vampire can do, right, um, a lot of it could be done by a human being. So, for instance, a human being could just get fangs made. You know, like that people file their teeth or they have, you know, whatever. Okay, so fangs is no big deal. Humans can drink blood. There's many humans who drink blood and, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't recommend it. But <laughs> but yeah, everybody's heard of like cults and stuff like right. that who like do that right. stuff. There's people who don't go out in the day and stay up all night. I mean, it's kind of my life, you know. <laughs> so people call me a vampire because I... I tend to sleep for most half of the day and then, you know, I because I, I, I'm more active at night. That's when I feel more creative. Okay, I can't transform into a bat or into mist, but not all of the vampire movies even have that. So what's the one thing that I just left out? It's, it's probably the most important thing that defines a vampire. They're immortal. Right. So, <laughs> so that's what Romero plays with. He just has this character who he looks like he's 20 at the most. Yeah. I think it's even hinted that he's still in his late teens or something. And, um, but his cousin, who is already pushing 80, right? Yeah. And it's, just, it's like his first cousin. Yeah, they're basically like around the same age. Yeah, they're the same age. They're, they're, they're of the same generation. Yeah. And his cousin's name is Kuda. Yeah, and there's like some flashbacks where they show Martin looking the same, like back in the 20s or something right. like that. Exactly. But then it's cool because they leave it open for interpretation, like it might just be a dream. It could be. It could just be that he's psychotic. Yeah. And, and you you don't really know because there's no explanation. Yeah. But um, but that's really all Romero gives you. I mean, honestly. And then Martin says that if he doesn't drink blood, he starts to lose it. So Romero throws that in too. So in in Martin, 
the two rules that Romero holds on to are he's he lives forever or seemingly for a very long time. I think in the movie he does Martin says, "Yeah, we eventually die, but we live we live for a few hundred years before we die." Mm. And that he needs the blood because if he doesn't drink blood, he can eat food. So that's yeah. the other thing. He can eat food. It just doesn't do anything for him. There's many scenes where he's uh, having a meal and, you know, <laughs> just meal. having a meal, just a regular. And, um, but then he needs to go out and he needs to prey, usually on, on women, and he attacks them and, and drinks their blood. And he says that's what calms him down. And he believes that that's what keeps him young and youthful. So it does have that element to it. But that being said, since he doesn't have fangs, he has to. He has this method of attack. So he really uses what he relies on the most are um, syringes. Yeah, he drugs. People. He drugs people which, with like barbiturates. Yeah, which I I want to talk about. I think this is interesting because we were talking about before about like up to this point, some vampires lean more towards hypnotism. Some vampires lean more towards brute strength. And there's like this stereotype in like um, true crime and stuff where it's like uh, strangle stranglers versus poisoners, and how they're like like the stereotype between them is different. So the strangler is like you know they're like big and they want to like show their brute strength and you know they're full of rage and all this stuff. Which like who's that sound like you know? Whereas Martin, he's like he's not like a big dude. He's like smaller and he has to rely on stealth and he can't rely on brute strength. So, but he doesn't have hypnotism, so he poisons people. So he's in the poisoner camp. Right. So I th- I just find that interesting. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting and it does. That's why this movie many people who have seen it or have, you know reviewed it or analyzed it will argue that it's really not even a vampire film. I I disagree. I think it's a brilliant vampire film. But uh, but yeah, he dresses in black. He's a little guy. You know, he's he's thin. Well, um, yeah, like you said, he's only like 18 or something. Yeah, he's he's a kid basically and he he carries around these syringes and he brings a razor blade. Yeah. <laughs> and once he ha- and once he knocks out his victim, he cuts their wrists and he drinks their blood. Yeah. Does, it's he, pretty, does he actually drink all their blood or do you think they're like cool afterwards? Um, it's hard to say. It's really they, yeah, hard to they say. Don't, I feel like they don't confirm. They don't confirm. In the movie. Yeah. If, I think the woman that he attacks in the first scene of the film, he wastes no time. The very brutal attack scene at the beginning of the film. Yeah, that's how it starts. It's on quite a train. shocking. It's um, very, yeah. It's, but it's uh, I think she's dead. I, I think, you know, it's, it's um, she does not look well when he leaves. The, yeah, I mean... The, the, it makes sense that he would kill them because he wouldn't want them to tell. You know what I right, mean? Right, right. So uh, he uses these razor blades, and, and that's how he feeds. And he, you know, he, he's been doing this for so long that he's got it down to a science. Uh, but meanwhile, Kuda, who is, you know, on to him more or less. <laughs> uh, yeah, because that's like his only family, I think. Yeah, and well, he, They live together. Yeah, right? he lives in a house with his cousin and then his cousin's granddaughter, mm. who is even older than Martin looks. You know, of course, we think Martin's probably about 84. <laughs> and, um, and the granddaughter looks like she's pushing 30. Uh. And, um, and so she has 
sympathy for Martin and she defends him and she, because Kuda is very hostile towards Martin and he doesn't trust him and he uh, sort of browbeats him. (laughs) Martin actually claims that he, it's not a virus, it's genetic. It just runs in the family. And there's this one scene I remember where Martin says he doesn't believe in vampires. He calls into a radio station, like a coast to coast type of thing. Yeah, he calls in a radio station and he, and the guy, the ratings go up for the guy's show. (laughs) And the guy's like, hey, hey, you got to call back. You got to. He goes. The phone's ringing off the hook, and <laughs> and and he and so the the radio host who we never see, we just hear his voice. Uh, he he calls uh, Martin the Count. Yeah. And Martin t- explains to him all of that's how we sort of get the rules. Yeah, we get it from his own mouth. <laughs> yeah, because he's talking on the radio to this to this late night uh, radio host. And anyway, so Kuda is very suspicious, and Kuda says to Martin, he he warns him, and he says. Because I guess the family has this uh, agreement that they all have to take in Martin and sort of deal with him <laughs> um, they, they, for, for X amount of time. And once you've done your, your bit with him, then you send him off to the next family member. Oh, man. Yeah. That's and like... so, so there's nothing Kuda can do about it. It's like his turn. Yeah. So he tells Martin, you better not mess with anyone in this town. Because if, if, if one single person pops up, um, being murdered under mysterious circumstances, he says, you, you're going to pay the consequences. He goes, I'm, you know, I'm going to make sure you go straight to hell. <laughs> and so Martin winds up having an affair with this woman who yeah, a married, is a married, lady a married like woman and their husband's cheating. And she's just a mess, you know. <laughs> and he goes there to cut her lawn and she totally comes on to him. And, oh, my God. That's so and, stereotypical. And, yeah, she's like, <laughs> and she winds up uh, at the end of the movie c- killing herself. Not because of Martin or anything, but because she's just unhappy. And Kuda thinks that Martin did it. Oh, yeah, because she cut her wrists in the back. Yeah, because she killed herself in a way that would be similar to the way Martin attacks. Yeah. And Martin's really <laughs> clever that he doesn't he doesn't hunt anyone in the like he goes way out of town. He goes into the suburbs, you know, because he knows that Kuda would would, you know, get him. And so and so it's just ironic because Kuda knows that he's spending time with this woman, that, that Martin's spending time with this woman. Yeah, Kuda probably thinks he's like grooming her or something. Yeah, so <laughs> when she turns up dead, Kuda's like, that's it, you know, your 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 history. And and so Kuda stakes him at the end of the movie. <laughs> Martin's asleep and all of a sudden he wakes up and his cousin is, is sitting on, on his like on the side of his bed and uh-huh. he's holding a stake to his chest. Oh, dang. And he says, I told you, I told you not to touch anyone. <laughs> I told you. And then he just like just nails the, the stake into his heart. Oh, and, man. You know? What if yeah. they were both crazy? <laughs> yeah, it's it's an amazing film and you know, I know we're giving away spoilers and stuff, but Whatever, um, it's been out for yeah, like over 40 been, yeah, years. <laughs> yeah, too soon. Like, yeah, you know, it's, it's 1977. Uh, but one other thing I wanted to say about this is Romero was really clever. There's a scene in this film where Martin dresses up. He buys a Bella Lugosi Halloween costume and he he with the really the old 70s fake fangs like where you just you know we all had those as kids the glow in the dark fangs yeah and then he has the medallion and he's got a cape and he and he puts a you know white powder or whatever on it so his face looks pale yeah he just dresses all up. He, he takes all of the iconicity uh-huh. right all the iconic features of the romantic vampire mm-hmm. and he's following Kuda. Kuda's walking home at night <laughs> and he's he just does it as a prank mm-hmm. because he's trying to tell Kuda that look that that stereotypical vampire is just in the movies and it's brilliant in a way because when you think of uh, the semiotic nature of it that 
he's, what Martin's character is doing, he's referring to this kind of vampire that is supposed to scare us. But the way they do it in the movie, it doesn't scare us, right? Yeah. Because we know that it's just, he's just mocking that. And yet he's a very scary, dangerous vampire yeah. or, or a, a bare minimum character, right? Yeah. He's certainly a serial killer. Yeah. And um, we don't really know. It's never really confirmed in the movie if he really does need the blood or if he really is 84. Because Kuda could be as crazy as Martin. Yeah. And it could so, just be like crazy family yeah. like together. And the granddaughter is there calling bullshit on both of them. And she seems like she's the only sane one. Yeah. And um but in in so doing Romero does such a great job of just pulling apart. In in, in this one movie we could say that Romero is basically putting a stake in the heart of that <laughs> vampire. Yeah, the old stereotype. The, yeah, one. that had been around for 50 years at that point and Romero saying, "We don't need these kinds of vampires anymore because they're not scary. <laughs> Martin is scary, yeah. not not Bella Lugosi." <laughs> That's a big claim. The other movie we wanted to mention, only briefly, uh, don't don't have as much to say about it, mainly because it's not as good a movie. Um, but <laughs> it but it's it deserves a little bit of mentioning, and there it is based on a book, which I think the book was better. I read the book by Whitley Strieber, and the movie is called The Hunger. And this movie starred uh, uh, Susan Sarandon and David Bowie and uh, Catherine Deneuve, and um, and Catherine Deneuve is this very much like Martin a very, very ancient vampire. And it's it could be sort of a virus sort of thing. It's never really mentioned. Once again, I think there's, just like with Martin, I think there's a difference between the virus vampire that is sort of hinted at in House of Dracula mm-hmm. that Allison pointed out, <laughs> and then also in I Am Legend for sure. And, uh, and, and there, there should be, it's a, a distinction should be pointed out between Vampires as a result of virus versus vampires as the result of it's just genetic. Yeah, because if it's a virus, it's like people are going to try to cure it. Right. But if you're just born that way, it's not really anything they can do. Exactly. It's a mutation in the genes, and it's certainly a close relative to the human being, but it's it's technically it's a different species. Mm-hmm. And that's what Catherine Deneuve is in this film. And I think that's what Martin is supposed to be if he really is that because we don't know. But in The Hunger, she definitely is. I mean, there's no doubt in that storyline, she's been around for 2,000 years, and there's even flashbacks in the movie and in the book. It's more in the book. Um, uh, Whitley Strieber goes back, and he describes when she was alive in these different eras, you know? <laughs> like in the... Uh, there's definitely... I think there's a Roman one. I a think Roman there's one. a... Yeah, there's a medieval <laughs> one. And it's mainly because he's talking about her relationships... Because what she does, she's lonely. Of course, anyone would be lonely if you live for 2,000 years because <laughs> everyone you know is going to die. And so she converts. She has a, a lover. Sometimes it's a, a male. Sometimes it's a female. And, um, and she converts them into becoming a vampire. And she lies to them and says, you can be like me because it's just in the blood. <laughs> but she doesn't tell them that, no, she's different because she's a different species. Mm-hmm. So she can convert someone into a vampire, but she doesn't tell them that their life expectancy is only about 200 years because they're human. So the blood only works for so long in a human body. And she never tells them that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and it's it's a very mean thing. So she's not a very likable character. And so, well, are vampires supposed to be like? No, I don't know? know. But I mean, it's like sometimes they're. I mean, Martin's a more sympathetic, you yeah, know, character. He, but that's because he's. I don't know. Because he's, he's innocent. Different. He's young, and and he, 
He's, he's even kind of immature. But anyway, going back to the hunger, uh, Catherine Deneuve's current lover is David Bowie, and he's uh, he was, uh, I guess he was converted in the 1700s, mm-hmm. and he's coming to the end now, and he doesn't know it. And what happens is when the blood starts to, when the blood's effectiveness starts to diminish in a human, you, you have to feed more often mm-hmm. and then you don't get as much out of it. So they're like spiraling basically. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> someone who just does a lot of coke or something where, you know, you're just, you're just doing lines to stay normal. Yeah. You know? And so that's what's happening to David Bowie and he doesn't understand. And now he's starting to age and it's, and it's, then he figures it out, you know, yeah. they, they all figure it out at some point and. And so, but then the really horrible part of it is that uh, what they, what the blood does to the human is it also makes them immortal. So while they only survive for 200 years as like someone being active and, and like having fun, you know, living longer than a normal human and, and attacking mm. and, and doing all of the fun stuff that comes with being a vampire, right? Mm. Uh, you, when you come to the end, you just become an invalid. Oh, but then I you see. don't die. Oh, that yeah. sucks. Yeah, you're just like shriveled up little yeah, mummy. Yeah, you're just a sh- – yeah, you're literally like a mummy. <laughs> and you're, you're But sh- not a cool mummy where you can walk around. Yeah, and there's – well, you can barely walk. But there's not enough blood in the world <laughs> at that point that can revive you. Yeah, that would suck. Yeah, because <laughs> your body has built up enough tolerance now or whatever. So you're just – all the blood does for you now is it just keeps you alive forever. Mm-hmm. So what she does is she stores her ex-lovers – Mm-hmm. She has like in this attic yeah, or something. like a little sardine can. Yeah, she puts them in boxes and she, <laughs> oh says, she says, oh, I just can't bear to, I, I need to keep them around. I just can't bear to lose them. Isn't there any way to kill them? I guess the movie would explain that. Well, the movie's the movie ending is different from the book and mm-hmm. the book is better. I'll just mm-hmm. put it that way. What happens is once David Bowie is tossed aside, uh, Catherine Dinner sets her, her sights on Susan Sarandon as her new partner and Susan Sarandon is this blood scientist and she sees the, what's going on with the blood and she eventually just embraces it. One of the things I wanted to say also about this movie is that it's another movie that does not follow vampire rules. Or it makes just, its own. Just like with Romero, it's it the main rule is that the immortality, which of course doesn't apply, I mean does apply to the humans, but not the, in a fun way. <laughs> uh, so, but definitely, cer- certainly um, extending someone's life, and also uh, the need the need for blood. But these people can go out in the sunlight. Hats. They wear hats. You know? <laughs> They're easily sunburned. <laughs> yeah, they carry umbrellas. You know, it's that kind of thing. They can't transform. They don't have fangs. Uh, Catherine Turner uses these little. Uh, it's like a little puncture tool that she has. <laughs> She's and, upgraded. Yeah. And it, it sort of like simulates fangs, but it just like she just when she gets close to someone, she just punctures them in the jugular. And and um, and so it's that kind of thing. It's it's a modern, you know, these two movies really said goodbye to good old Bella and um, Max Shrek and those guys. And you kind of feel so you can see them with their heads down and they're all sad and they're walking, <laughs> walking away from the camera. And what's replacing them is this new vampire thing, which, you know, we're going to get into the superhero vampires pretty soon. And then it gets, gets to the point where you're not even really watching a horror movie anymore. You're watching more of an action film. Yeah. So that kind of stuff is right around the corner. And, like, the the classic version of the vampire, they still... 
stuck around in the 80s and all that stuff, but it, it's more for kids, and it became, like, campy. It's not, like, serious anymore, really. Well, it wasn't even in my, when I was a kid in the 70s, I mean, it was just, you know, we, you know, like I said, the Jack Palance Dracula kind of scared me. <laughs> I think the Robert Quarry Yorga scared <laughs> me even more. Uh, uh, so, but, you know, I was, like I said, I was seven years old or something like that when I first saw those movies. But certainly by the time I was a teenager, none of that's, you know. Well, yeah, I'm just thinking of like Fright Night and Monster Squad. And then right. in the 90s, there was like the little vampires. Like all those are like kiddie movies. It's more right. like, oh, like a mascot character, you Well, know? it's funny you say that because, yeah, by the time you get to Little Vampire, then it literally is kiddie movie. Yeah. But it's, it's <laughs> when you, you sort of, when you went through that chronologically in the 80s, it was more teen, early teens. Yeah. Because Fright Night, I think the kid is 15. Yeah. And in, in the other one, uh, Monster, Monster Squad. Squad, they're like a little bit younger. They're like maybe 12 and 13. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, it yeah, you're right. It, <laughs> it did the classic monsters, the ones that we love so much, really became stuff for kids, you know. Because um, it's familiar at that point. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, there's something... I don't know, there, there, there's something comforting about that in a way, <laughs> that, at least for me. And I know they'll still be around. They'll always be around, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I want to say about The Hunger before we, we close this out is that the best scene in that movie is the opening credits. When they're in the club. <laughs> I mean, it's just Isn't like, that when they have Bela Lugosi's dead? Yeah. I mean, doesn't the, that with, say it all right exactly. there? Exactly. <laughs> and that's such a brilliant, I mean, Bela Lugosi's dead by Bauhaus. And uh, you don't really see the band. You just see Peter Murphy. Yeah, and but, like a pixelated screen on the yeah, wall or something. It's such a great, I mean, perfect song. And, you know, yeah, like you said, it says it all. Bell Lugosi's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that's what they're, you know, conveying in this film. But it's it's one of the best opening scenes. So if you, if you want to see this movie, certainly just sit through the opening credits. Anyway, that's all we're going to touch on today. We're going to continue this theme because there's a lot to say about vampires. Yes. Hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> And we'll be back soon. Bye. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Leave us five stars and a review. Thanks.